Good evening, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48, and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. The title of this mini-series is The Preacher's Kid That Fought Like the Devil. If you haven't listened to episode one, The Prayer, two, It Happened One Night, three, The Sacrifice, four, Am I My Brother's Keeper, or episode five, Out of the Ashes, I encourage you to do so. Now, it's time for you to use that God-given imagination of yours. We're going to revisit the end of the last episode, since it's been a bit. The boys dreamed that night. They all had the same one. Not one of a homecoming and being with their new family. But it was death. It was coming like an uninvited guest. A storm like they'd never experienced before. And they were running for their lives for something that felt so terrible A nightmare could not contain it, so they all woke up in a cold sweat at the same time, including their dog's shadow. The ominous presence has not yet arrived, but was just a few houses down, leaving death in its wake, sucking the air out of the sleeping people, leaving their corpses to be consumed like a crematorium. The boys knew the drill. This was not an exercise. This wasn't even an exodus. This was like when King Herod sent the soldiers to kill the babies under the age of two out of fear of the Messiah. Death was marching with swords drawn to remove their lives, and so all of them practically knocked down their parents' door. Now, if they had done this at their old parents' house, they would have been beaten, but desperate times needed desperate measures. Plus, they were not afraid of being beaten now by their new parents. The kids said in a loud voice, We have to leave! Adon and Yvette were half asleep, but fortunately clothed in nightwear. What, said Adon, just starting to wake up. We have to go now. We don't have time to wait, said Big Bo. Yvette, still barely awake, said, Kids, you're having a nightmare. All of us at the same time, said Big Bo. If you don't go, we're leaving without you. My first responsibility is my brothers in shadow. And the kids headed down the stairs. Adon and Yvette ran after them, just in time, as the walls to the outside where their bedroom was started to glow, and then the roof collapsed on their bed, sending flames up into the air. Run, said Big Bo. Now they could smell the smoke. It was engulfing the house. Their eyes burned. Hit the floor, said Big Bo, and they crawled towards the front door. Joe yelled through his coughing, not that door, and they crawled to the other side of the house. The front door blew into flames and the living room was engulfed. The ceiling collapsed from above as if a monster from hell was chasing after the kids and their parents. They reached the door to the small garage and the adjoining outside door. They all got outside and ran out of the house into the parking lot. And what they saw, they couldn't believe. The big brick houses looked like fireplaces, only it wasn't paper and wood that was being burned up. It was human bodies. The fire was consuming all six homes where Jos said Yvette. Jos, she screamed. Where was Jos? He was right with us. Jos! Big Bo couldn't believe he lost sight of his brother. Jos! Then Jos appeared with a family from the seventh house, with a man and his wife, two young daughters. He had led them to safety. They were the only survivors that night. The fire trucks arrived, but there was little they could do. The fire spread so fast it consumed just about everything in its path. Yvette started crying, tears mixed with shock, gratitude, and loss. 
She hugged her family, and that night seemed to never end. They all just stayed in the middle of the parking lot. It was plenty warm, and they held each other and prayed. The couple who Josh had rescued mocked them. If there was a God, why did he let this happen? You're a preacher. Tell us. Don didn't know what to say, but Josh did. He was full of the Holy Spirit, at least as much as his little frame could hold. Jesus saved your life and your children's, and you're here like the thief on the cross, mocking the one who died to save you. The night went still again. Josh was not finished preaching. Do you know you've been spared? My daddy God understands anger, but you've been given a gift, and it's up to you to receive it. Adon would not have been an evangelist at this moment, but his son just led the neighbors and their kids to Christ. When morning barely broke, Yvette and Adon walked into what was their house, and all was left was ashes. All the things she prized as a little girl were gone. Pictures and paintings and journals and gifts. Things her mom had given her to pass on to the next generation. The jewelry, the old dishes, the family Bibles, all gone. All their love letters to each other and their little romantic notes. All the memories up in smoke. Joe's looked at his parents. We had to leave our home too, but home isn't a place, it's family. Brig asked his mom, what are we going to do, Mama? Yvette felt in her clothes pocket an envelope. She pulled it out and saw her dad pulling into the parking lot. She knew it must be Christmas. We're now going into the beginning of episode 6, and it's titled "The Mouth Out of the Mouth of the Dragon. Dragon's fire had burnt through their world with a fiery fury leaving nothing but remnants of what was. Things that cannot pass the test of eternity went up in smoke. The dragon, once robbed of life, left like some serial killer that ran out of victims, so it lost its purpose to destroy. For those who remained, the eternal was all that mattered, as Yvette looked at the sea of eyes in front of her. She kept breathing relief as her little family had survived. She looked down at the now open envelope in her shaking hand. It was a deed to her dad's home. They would not be homeless. It was like God had made a provision before she knew she even had the need. The old preacher, her dad, reached out his arms and she embraced him, not as a strong woman who had just survived the worst fire in the town's history, but that of a little girl hugging her daddy because... The world just got too scary, and those big arms around her brought comfort. Adam was holding on to the three boys, and Shadow, the black lab, who was used to protecting its pups, the boys, had done that for most of their lives, stood as a furry sentinel, then went to the boys, and they buried their heads in his fur. They all hugged the old preacher. Adam said, I suppose you knew the fire before we did was coming. The old man said he woke up from a dream and knew immediately he was to risk curfew to rescue his family. Grandpa had an old pickup truck, and the kids all piled in the back with Shadow and Adon and Yvette. What about them, said Josh. And the youngest of the three, as, as being the youngest of the three boys, he pointed to the man and woman. He had rescued them and their two daughters. Grandpa said, pile in. We have plenty of room at the house. The old truck held so many, but it was up to the task as they drove into town. Grandpa looked and couldn't believe his eyes. There in front of them were the town's three churches. Nothing but ashes. 
the church was completely burnt down. The other ministers were standing in the ashes of what were their churches. The Baptist Church, the Pentecostal Church, and the Foursquare Gospel Church were gone. Adan, who was the pastor of the Gospel Church, and the elder pastor's father-in-law, approached the men. It doesn't make any sense. Why would the good Lord allow this to happen? Why would he burn down his church? said Pastor Ebb of the Pentecostal Church. These three churches represented a place of sanctuary for this small community for so many years. It was like these churches had always been there. Generations had given their lives to Christ here. Baptisms and celebrating new birth to actual birth and death. These buildings had seen it all. If those walls could talk, oh, the stories they would tell. But now their mouths were closed forever. Joss looked at the men full of the Holy Ghost and said, Why are you looking at old wineskins? It's time for new wine to flow. Grandpa looked at Josh. You're right, son. However, we still grieve those old wineskins. Grandpa had been a pastor of that church for 40 years, and his son-in-law had gone just a year. He couldn't believe it was gone. Where do we go from here, said Pastor John. Do we rebuild? We should rebuild. I'll get some of the brothers and start cleaning what's left. We need to develop a plan. Pastor Ebb said, then I'm out of here. I'm building my own church, and he walked out. Pastor John said, well, then, so am I. And not unlike the Hatfields and McCoys, the two pastors walked away without a shot being fired. But their disdain for each other was just as deadly to the body of Christ as if they'd pulled the trigger. Grandpa, the eldest of the pastors, said, the body of Christ needs you. This isn't time to act like kindergartners in the sandbox. So you wouldn't play, so you took your dump trucks and went home. You may have had that luxury as kids, but you're grown now, and there are people depending on you for you to follow the Lord and lead. The pastors walked back, avoiding each other. What do you propose? We're going to have church Sunday. You can play in the ashes if you want, but we're going to worship the Lord. What time is the service, asked Pastor Ebb. Nine o'clock, said the old pastor. And then Pastor John said, I prefer 10 a.m. This isn't a bait. debate, John, said the old preacher. It will be on my land, and the Lord has given it to me. And if you're going to come, you bring your congregation. I'll see you at 9 a.m. The two men left and went home. When they got to Yvette Papa's house, he took Yvette and Adon upstairs with the boys to their rooms. The old pastor moved things around a bit so that they would be more comfortable. There is a bathroom next to the master bedroom. Down the hall is a bedroom for the three boys in shadow, he said. He then went downstairs to the couple who had also been rescued from their burning house. The first floor has a bedroom, and you and your wife, and then the girls will need to share the bedroom next to your room, and there is an adjoining bathroom. Where are you going to sleep, asked the man. Oh, I have a room where Sadie, his golden lab, and him would be staying, said the preacher. How can I ever thank you, asked the man. Follow Christ, said the old preacher. And with that, they called it a night. Josh said to his brothers before he went to sleep, This is a home that that old dragon isn't welcome in, and we will be safe. The family spent time getting to know each other over the coming days, and with summer coming to an end, this Sunday would be the last church service before school year started back up. Rig walked up to his grandpa. How are we going to have church without a building? Grandpa looked tenderly, tenderly at his grandson. We are the church, he said. Well, in that big grassy lawn, Saturday and Sunday night, they all worked together to prepare for the body of Christ to arrive. Grandpa knew what God was asking him to do. He may be a retired pastor, but pastors don't really ever retire.
The vehicles came in all shapes and sizes, carrying people from all three churches. There were hundreds, and they descended from the city. As instructed by their pastors, if you wanted to bring a chair, if not, green carpet of the earth would be your furniture. Pastor Eb and the elders approached the old pastor. We should talk first, they said. Then Pastor John showed up with all his brothers and said, We should talk first. The old pastor had about enough of both of them and said, Let the Holy Spirit decide. You mean Jesus, said Pastor John. The old pastor just shook his head. It's the Trinity. The service was about to start. There were hundreds. Yvette and the other pastor's wives acted as greeters. Josh knew what was going to happen. As the service began with the old hymn, Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, and then How Great Thou Art, and the final hymn was, It Is Well With My Soul. Pastor John ran up to the front to preach to the congregation, but when he opened his mouth, he couldn't speak. Pastor Ebb started laughing and said, Well, Holy Spirit sure shut the mouth of that Baptist up. Then he went in front of the congregation to mock the other pastor and tried to preach, and nothing came out of his mouth. The congregation saw it as a miracle. Both men had the reputation of being long-winded, and now God simply took away their ability to blow. The old preacher got up and looked at his brothers and sisters in Christ. I know you're sad that your churches have burned down. I am sad too, and I share with you in your grief. There was a time that those buildings were needed, but the body of Christ didn't burn down, buildings did. Now I asked the Lord what good would come out of the mouth of a dragon, and he said to me, I allowed this earthly fire so that the dead buildings would be filled with my holy fire. Each of you is like those buildings, dividing the body of Christ, like the Roman soldiers dividing up Christ's garment when he was crucified. Those in this Baptist church say you're going to hell if you speak in tongues. Pastor John couldn't say a word. He also couldn't move. And you at the Pentecostal church say unless you speak in tongues you're going to hell. Pastor Ebb was speechless and couldn't move either. It seems like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. No wonder those who don't believe won't come into our buildings. We're supposed to be carriers of the truth. Instead, we're carriers of the doctrine of men instead of the presence of Christ. I have a question for you all. Do you want earthly fire of self-righteousness, religious pride, and stay unreconciled to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you want to make being dipped or immersed in baptism a way to divide us? Or do you want the Spirit of God to set us afire with the perfect bond of unity, which is love? The Holy Spirit points to Jesus, and He is your Lord and Savior, or is your religion your God? You can't have it both ways. Stay how things were, and keep fooling yourself, or come to this altar and repent before God, and don't leave until you have. We are not Baptists, Pentecostals, or even Foursquare Gospel. We are the body of Christ, and it's time for Jesus to be the head of the body, instead of us running around like religious chickens with our heads cut off. The church was silent as the two pastors that couldn't speak. Josh walked up to the elder pastor, and his grandpa nodded. Josh said, Do you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you want to settle your religious rebellion to God now? Do you want the fire from heaven to consume you like a burning bush, but you won't be burned up? Then come to the altar, and as Josh prayed, Holy Spirit hit the body of Christ like a rushing wind, and Baptists were speaking in tongues. And Pentecostals couldn't quit saying, Amen, brother, and they couldn't speak in tongues. Everyone hit the ground as the weight of glory of God poured down on his body. Pastor John and Pastor Eb repented publicly before the Lord, for their religious war ended. No one in the service left 
after hours it lasted, without having the Holy Spirit transform their heart. It was the summer of 1953. It was hot in the South, and Christians were going to be known, as Jesus said, for their love for one another. The old dragon shook its head at heaven. He lost its hold on the church that day, but fall was coming, and then met school, and he had just begun to wage war, especially on this family. Join me in episode 7, The Fight, or whatever title I'll give it when it comes out.